Welcome to JP Morgan TV. I'm Bruce Kasman. With me this week is Mike Hansen. And I think we're going to focus on risks as we look at them, perhaps more out towards the second half of the year. Um, obviously, the first half of the year has been quite uh, turbulent in terms of not only what's happening on the ground, but also in terms of our forecast as we've been buffeted by a set of shocks, shocks related to um, higher inflation coming into the year, uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, uh, and then more recently, China uh, COVID uh, problems. And those have led us to push up global inflation quite dramatically in our forecast for the first half of the year and also push down global growth. I think we've pushed, uh, since the start of the year, global growth down by about two and a half percentage points uh, for the first half on an annualized basis. However, we have not really touched the second half. So in a sense, what we're forecasting is a, a denting of global growth, but not one that really derails things as we get back on track, still have uh, well above trend growth in the second half of the year. And that's the issue I want to address now in a world in which effectively the transition from uh, this resiliency test to getting back to, to strong growth has two factors associated with it. One is whether the private sector is actually cushioning these shocks and giving us a base to start to lift. And the other is whether the drags themselves are starting to fade. So let's let's take these in turn, Mike. Let's start with the, the resiliency test and, and what we're getting in terms of how the global private sector is, is dealing with what are fairly substantial shocks hitting us right now. Right. Well, one of the uh, things that we've seen that's probably really important on this front is the fact that consumers have brought down their savings rates to try to cushion the demand, the, the hits on their uh, purchasing power, their, their real incomes. Um, and of course, against the backdrop where labor markets still remain quite strong um, and the fundamentals on the consumer side in terms of you know balance sheets and whatnot are, are fairly favorable as well. So that's obviously been a pretty important offset uh, at this stage to try to continue to support the the uh, recovery and the, uh, you know, above potential growth that we're looking for in the, in the back half of the year. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And the two are related. I think it's important that, you know, you can see, for example, consumer confidence get weighed down by both the uh, rise in inflation and more recently, probably by uh, some of the uh, damage being done to to equity valuations. Sure. But that that is definitely being offset to some degree, at least in terms of actual uh, spending behavior by the fact that the labor market's doing so well. And that resiliency on the business sector side, which does reflect how strong profits have been, margins right. in the DM by our estimates have hit record high levels, is an important part of the story. Um, you know, so there is that that resiliency. It's not stopping growth from from slipping here, mm -hmm. but it is limiting it. It's also leaving some of the damage more concentrated in places like Russia, China and other sure. other countries most affected by the shocks. Um, so that's the good news. Um, but our forecast really does rely on more than just cushioning in the first half of the year. It, it requires on these shocks kind of fading in terms of the damage being done. Right. And there's where I think things are a little more iffy, if I could use that that technical term. <laughs> so um, what's what's the reading there? Yeah, well, I think the the biggest concern, arguably, is China, right? That things have, you know, taken a notable turn for the worse. We're looking for some pretty ugly data 
uh, for the uh, activity indicators for April next week. Uh, we brought our growth forecast down into a negative one and a half percent annualized rate contraction for the current quarter. Um, and we're presuming that we're going to get a decent bounce back in the second half, but that does assume that uh, China's in a position where they can really materially ease their zero COVID policy. And I think that's certainly a, a risk scenario, given that they have a, you know, less than uh, less than complete success with getting uh, vaccination uh, to break the, the linkage between infection and hospitalization. Um, and the fact that uh, one consequence of an earlier success in zero COVID policies is relatively small number of folks who have natural immunity at this point. So easing up runs the risk that you just get another wave, unfortunately, in China. Uh, so that's obviously I think there's factor. another part of the China story we should note, which is, right. you know, we've, as you've noted, we've, we're now looking for a contraction in the second quarter. We've lowered our year yep. uh, forecast on GDP to 4.3, which is over a percentage point below the right. official target. But we're not feeling like we're getting a lot more on the policy side to, to deal with what, what are clear disappointments here. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the, the recent um, TSF credit report came in softer than, than anticipated. Uh, the China team seems to be somewhat skeptical where they're going to get much more on the interest rate front. And I think a lot of the fiscal supports we're getting are things that basically carried over from last year, where there's not a, a clear sense you're getting additional support, particularly support directed at households, which you got in a number of other economies that I think helped cushion some of the the larger waves in, say, the U.S. and, and Euro and else, Euro area and elsewhere, that you're you're not clearly it's not clear if you're going to get that in, in China at this stage or not. Yeah, so China is definitely a, a concern here. It's one of the things that we need to do. I'm not sure good, but at least somewhat better as we kind of transition between the early part of the second quarter and the middle of the year. Um, the other thing I think which we have to worry about here is whether we're going to get the the deceleration and in inflation. We've got inflation right. coming down into the low mid threes in the second half of the year. This almost seems like a, a broken record every quarter with the last three or four, we've been are, you know forecasting inflation to come off pretty significantly. Uh, and again, we're on the precipice of a, 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 you know, a concern here, at least at this point, that we're not gonna get that, that, that drag fading. Right. And there are a couple of elements of that that we, we should be highlighting, right? Yeah, obviously, you've seen commodity prices for food specifically remain high. You know, there's some some sign that energy prices are coming off. There's there's always still some risks given what's happening in, in Central Europe on that front. And there's some question about how the Europeans are going to manage their energy policy going forward. But you know, food inflation has certainly remained elevated and it looks like it could persist for a while. Uh, and then on the core side, you know, we've been looking for uh, a rebound that's going to favor services over goods, um, and that presumably would have some signs of deceleration in the goods price inflation that had been very strong earlier. But we have some, you know, potential risks for lingering supply chain disruptions, you know, both in China and potentially uh, in Central Europe. Although, you know, some of the worst of that may have faded. There was a, obviously a very big hit to German automakers that really adversely impacted. Um, IP in uh, Europe, and that certainly has the possibility of keeping, you know, for example, auto prices elevated. Um, but there's a, I think there's a range of factors uh, that are kind of spillovers from the shocks you mentioned earlier that could persist, keep inflation elevated for longer. Uh, and this, of course, has resulted in us not only changing our inflation forecasts to reflect the fact that the data has come in uh, stronger, particularly in EM for, for April, 
but it's also you know, forced some rethinking that central banks are going to have to go uh, higher or longer or both. Uh, in a number well, of I guess countries. that's the other the other thing to bring into the picture, which is that, you know, we continue to incrementally change the central bank forecast, but as these increments start to add up, the way they show up in financial conditions begins to become a factor. And there is, right. uh, I don't think there's anything to to suggest that we're at, at risk here of having a a crisis or anything like that, but the amount of tightening um, that we're having here is starting to become reasonably significant. Yeah, I think that's fair. We've looked at, for example, a, a global measure the Treasury uh, Office of Financial Research puts out, and that has reached a, a cycle high. And it's, it's at levels that are kind of comparable to what we saw in 2015, 2016, where you did see some material slowing in, in growth globally, and particularly in EM, that it didn't you know, didn't break things. It didn't cause a recession or anything like that, but it was a material slowing. Um, and so we're starting to see, you know, as you said, a tightening of financial conditions that may not get to the point where things are, are breaking. We haven't maybe crossed that point, but certainly is, is an, an added source of drag as we go forward. Yeah. So um, I think overall here, we just have to kind of weigh these things in a world in which we have resilience. Uh, we still think we're going to see some fading of the drags, but you know, I think the balance of new information here is more on the idea that we're going to see less of that support than we had been expecting. And I think overall, it does point to some downside risk to our, our second half growth forecast. Uh, with that in mind, you mentioned the April um, China data already. Uh, we do have important releases coming out of the U.S. next week, uh, and we're expecting a very different message uh, with the uh, uh, U.S. numbers uh, coming in in a, in a strong way. So what are we looking for there? Yeah, we were looking for uh, some uh, notable pickup on the consumer side, uh, 1.5% uh, on retail sales, and then uh, continued strength in manufacturing as that rebound uh, gets some momentum, particularly after some softness earlier, so half a percent on industrial production. And that's very consistent with the idea that the manufacturing employment numbers we had uh, earlier for uh, for the month of April were quite strong. Yep. So I think we'll end on that bright note. I think if we keep talking, we'll probably turn more negative. So I'll stop there. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening in and hope we can continue the conversation next week on JP Morgan TV.